0: welcome back to another edition of the urban guru podcast where we feature creative insights from artists of color today we feature jp jackson of jp jackson art he's going to talk about his journey to being a comic book artist a cover artist and a writer all while avoiding the daily 95 grind that so many of us find ourselves in so stay tuned for this very informative and enjoyable conversation. Thank you for doing the interview. Of course, of course. No problem. No problem.
1: Thank you for having me here today.
0: <laughs> nice. Um, because one of the things I really like to do is I like to talk to creative people, particularly creative people of color, and just you know get where they're coming from, talk about some of the issues that they have to deal with and things like that, and hopefully um it'll kind of inspire other people.
1: Awesome, awesome.
0: And, and that's why I have to say I was looking at um your website again. Um and I like your your statement at the bottom. It's important that I bring you all diverse content that puts a fresh spin on familiar stories and characters. And I hope this Thank work you. <laughs> inspires you and allows you to look at the world differently. And I can say oh I really like really like that so
1: someone reads someone's reading. <laughs> someone actually read that at the bottom it's amazing oh that makes me glad that makes me feel good and awesome
0: how do you like pe- people to refer to you as an artist as a writer as a comic book artist
1: i'm so used to being an artist for so long i just take artists um i'm fine with being referred to as jordan the artist um but as of lately i find myself getting more into writing like And I might have been secretly a writer, a bad or good writer, whatever, at heart for a long time, Uh, just because, like, I started out, my journey started out, like, when I was in middle school, I started, I I actually went to school for drawing, and so over time, um, when I went to high school, I started to get into oil painting, and Mm -hmm. that's when I was just, like, I was doing a lot of paintings of me and building these backstories behind it related to science fiction robots so i was always fighting a robot or something or dealing with some technological dilemma being overwhelmed by mm-hmm. like just over, being overwhelmed by technology and mm-hmm. so like i started noticing like i have this like and this all comes back from me watching animation um watching saturday night saturday cartoons saturday morning cartoons and so like i noticed like i'm I'm clearly trying to tell specific stories and message even in my paintings and so that ultimately turned into animation when I went to college
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so I I enjoyed storytelling through animation that was like my thing at the time and um, I always enjoyed film so a lot of film references and things would always get into my work and then towards the end um, in my senior year I did a thesis project um, called Land of the Wolves that was my four-minute short and I I did I did three minutes I did three shorts every year when I was in college so I would do a short each year and I wasn't supposed to mm. um they were mm-hmm. like this is a lot for a freshman I'm like I'll do a five-minute <laughs> long animation and it looks bad but it, I did it so like every every year I found myself developing a new project mm-hmm. a new short and so but when I got to my thesis I'm like all right I've done this for like two years straight three years straight so it's now time to like crack down and like actually learn how to refine storytelling. And so um, towards the end of that process, I randomly decided to draw, write a comic book, a prequel story. Um, there was strictly visuals, no image, no lettering, really. And I wanted to do something additive to the animation. And so I uh, got out of college and tried to kind of figure out my way around life. Um, I got a normal job, um, quote, unquote, normal job. <laughs> okay. um, And, um, I was doing freelance work and doing animation on the side, but I still had this like fire to tell stories. And I'm like, I don't know how this animation stuff is going to work with me wanting to tell my own stories. Mm -hmm. And so I, a friend of my, my, one of my best friends, my best friend and his cousin and his cousin's best friend, we came together to pitch a TV show and, Mm -hmm. um, my best friend's cousin, needed artists, so me and my best friend, both artists, so we came together, we developed the artwork for Pitch, and then um, they said, hey, come to Harlem um, and stay up here, and we're going to go to the Black Comic Book Festival in Schomburg." and this is 2017. Mm -hmm. And I go there, and I am anxious, I don't know what to expect, but I walk in there, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is is literally like home, like, this is a space of, like, Black comic book creators, and I had no clue this existed. I literally... Mm -hmm for years and I, i'm ashamed of this but i'm gonna be honest for a long time like i didn't i didn't really pay attention to like i didn't focus on like black voices or black creators within the comic book world i was mostly interested in animation and painting for a long time so i was like let me find black people paint let me find you know find stories that are told by black animators or at least show us but i never really like dove into comics although they've been there in my life like the mainstream mm-hmm. And um, so going to the Schaumburg was just like, this is where I need to be. And so I started meeting various creatives. Um, like I met, I met the creator of Black, um, Kwanzaa. Mm-hmm. Met him. Um, I met the creator Is Not Not Aware Spider, uh, Greg Elise Anderson. And, um, and from that point, those like two people kind of stuck out to me. And so I was like, I got to see like how as black creators, we could tell our own stories. And from then on, I was just like, this is it. Like, this is, this is where I need, this is my purpose. And so from then on, I set forth to do comic books and it didn't take me till three years for me for me to finally get into selling work and vending. And I think or two years, it was 2019. Mm-hmm. And so I started vending and then I met, um, a friend and current client um rod van blake and he hired me to take his series ancient elimination and turn it into a graphic novel and so that was just like oh this is i get paid to do this <laughs> and like this is amazing and and it was it's a different experience because it's almost like i'm a director mm-hmm. uh, my animation experience is coming back because i'm like He gives me free reign to kind of craft a story in a certain way and i can visualize it boom put this here move scenes around boom to tell a different story and it's this that's that's kind of like that's that's my part of my process well specifically working with him though but um and then after that i've worked on another project called jericho's bane working with another writer black writer um, arrow j knight and then from then Uh, Two years, two years from 2019, I finally released my own book. I wrote it everything myself, drew everything myself, (laughs) lettered everything myself, formatted everything. And so that was all kind of a learning process. It's always, I'm constantly learning something new.
0: Yeah, and and I'll I'll say um, that I met you at the same time I met the other two authors that you mentioned at BlurredCon here in Washington, D.C., and I have a, the first issue of your book. It's a very in-depth book. It's very nice. It's very visual. Um, the atmosphere and stuff is, is, is fantastic. And you can tell the deep lore of writing stories and setting up worlds. Because when you read your book, you can tell that there's a backstory. There's, there's stuff there. There's material there. Okay. So that's, that's, that's really nice. So it really comes through. So I, I was going to say, it sounds like for you going all the way back to when you first started, it was almost like a holistic type of approach for you. You're doing the animation and you realize you need story to go with it
1: uh-huh.
0: or you create the story to go with it. Um, have you always um, approached your artwork or your writing that way? Do you see like a whole picture and then you just pull in the other elements at because you need them?
1: Sometimes it's, it's like, sometimes I do have this full image of what I want and then I'll, but I'll just go in and add something just to mm-hmm. give it a little, just to give, give something more. Like it's like, for instance, my thesis, it started out as a short film. That was the goal was to do this short film. Mm-hmm. And toward the end, I think I, it was for a class. I think that was what I, for a class assignment, I added on, I try to reconnect things um, mm-hmm. through comic books. Um, but now and even when I would do paintings, we were always given a prompt or something to work off of. But I would create my own story to go mm-hmm. with that painting. And that was just all me. Um, and now going like focusing exclusively in comics, it's like thinking about I, I'm always thinking about like how like I have a main story, but also I'm creating a, a kind of like spinoff story that kind of connects back to the main story and then thinking about how, do I create animations to go with this comic book? How do I create artwork to go? So it becomes a whole entire package now.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's an interesting thing that you say, because when I listen to you talk, you have mentioned being a director, but it also sounds like you're a producer because you're talking about an entire package. And that's, typically- yeah, and you know, when, I, when I, I came up here to DC to go to um, graduate film school and one of the things mm-hmm. that I always tell people I wanted to be a producer because everybody wanted to be a director, they wanted to be the mm-hmm. next Spike Lee or, or Hutland or whatever, whoever was the, the, the one that was the mm-hmm. popular one at the time, and I'd always say I wanted to be a producer and they say well what's the, what's the producer and it's like we're producers the one who hires the director, they're the mm-hmm. one who shepherds the entire concept from start to finish, you know. Their job isn't over until it's out to the public, and and so just listening right. to you and the journey that you went through, it's like it feels like you're 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 doing all of these different elements and you're bringing them together so that you can put your product out and you can get your things out. So it's, it really sounds like you have a producer spirit.
1: Mm, that's of. what it is. <laughs> I'm always like it's the hardest spirit. It's got to be that. I don't know, but it's I don't. It's all. It's just everything. I don't know. It's so it's so encompassing.
0: How are you in terms of interacting with the public, with your audience and things like that?
1: So I find myself doing better at in-person mm-hmm. events and conventions. Um, it's it's kind of, it's, it's easier for me to kind of talk to people and like be kind of charming and charismatic and kind mm-hmm. of interesting in that way in person. Um, but I still haven't like mastered the art of like online marketing, like, mm-hmm having that type of like business strategy um mm-hmm. i still haven't figured out how to kind of like create that branding element of that uniqueness mm-hmm. um but i mean i'm great with kind of connecting with people period yeah. i can i have the ability to do that um just through like i'm more of like a conversation person so i'm more like i like to build connection with, people with conversation mm-hmm. and so um that works well on the internet um i try to you know connect i try to connect with my certain followers uh, and, you know, and kind of cultivate, you know, real experience, real, real human connection, although we've never met. Um, so, you know, I try my, I try my best.
0: So for you, you, you talked a little bit about how your journey began. Um, you mentioned that you actually high school or before you went middle to a school, school. middle, middle school. school. So you went yeah. to, was it, was it like a magnet school or? A yes. School?
1: Yes. I went to a oh. magnet school and, um, I did. I, I, I had to test to get in that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was the artist guy. <laughs> I, drew, I drew stuff. That was my I mean, magnet. did you know
0: that going in or did you? they test you and they say, OK, you're or, and you realize. Oh, you no, that's what it. I
1: wanted to do. Middle school was magnet. High school was magnet. Mm-hmm. I did, I, and that one I specifically chose. I think I specifically chose painting when I was in high school. That was what mm-hmm. I wanted to do. But I also did. I did. I had to do everything as well. Like they made us, and that probably is why I'm like this. But we had mm-hmm. to learn film. We had to learn digital art. We learned photography. Learned sculpture. Um, mm-hmm. And so I went to at it's uh, George Washington Carver Center for Arts and Technology it's in Towson, um, in Maryland, um, and so Baltimore. And so I had to learn all those things. And so I'm like, I'm not, It's it's it was kind of creating. It was kind of creating this atmosphere where like. I had access to so many different things and I could still, and I could like, you know, touch upon that, use that and it was always kind of a fun experience.
0: So you got you got hired to help pitch a show. Um, whatever became of that? Um, It's,
1: it didn't go, <laughs> it didn't go anywhere, but the the writer, one of the writers, he's still kind of like working on like, you know, Stoutman's connections and, and trying to kind of like get it, still get it adapted and picked up so it's Um, still working
0: and what kind of show i mean it was it was a a pitch for an animated show
1: yes it was for an animated show it was Mm -hmm. a comedy i can't i actually can't talk about it
0: can't talk about it yeah i can't
1: talk
0: (laughs) all i can say it's a comedy
1: and it was historical that's all i'm going to
0: say historical okay yeah well let's talk a little bit um you talked about your love of art from a very early age, um, what about any inspirations for you? Were there inspirations that you, and I know you mentioned some, but mm-hmm. were there other inspirations for you?
1: Um, so I'll, I think, I like, like to highlight the more recent inspirations just because mm-hmm. they become so kind of prevalent in my work. Um, so um, I always, film-wise, I've always been inspired by Blade Runner, um, anime-wise, Ghost in the Shell and Akira. Um, and uh, Miyazaki's uh, Princess Mononoke. Mm. Um, I've always been drawn to like the darker, the, the darker <laughs> anime and like the, the, like those styles, Cowboy Bebop, those type mm. of styles. I've um, always been like my thing. And mm. so I've kind of carried those with me. And then when I kind of got more into the comic book space, um, a lot of people were like pointing me in directions to different by creators and I'm just looking at work. Um, mm. And I was really drawn to S- Sanford Green's work um and his work has always been very gestural like mm-hmm. i love how like he draws figures like the line work isn't perfectly clean but it has mm-hmm. like this kind of painter look to it um, okay. brian still freeze and um, um sean damian hill he does he's a he's a he's a more realist he's a more realist when it comes to comics mm-hmm. and i like oh i love this <laughs> i love this <laughs> if i just had time i love this um and um, writing wise for my writers, um, who, who else? Um, we got uh, David F. Walker. Um, he did Bitter Root and the hated, I think. Um, TJ Sterling, he does he has Oches and he has a new series called Joystick Angels. Um, so those are kind of like the, mm-hmm. the writers and the artists that I'm kind of looking at right now.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, I've had a chance to meet T.J. Sterling. Also, mm-hmm. he actually worked at Marvel for a time. Yeah, yeah. Before he came him. out, and he did his own thing. So I'm just so somebody like that, even from a business standpoint, is that kind of like an inspiration that you might be looking?
1: Yes, it's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that's. I kind of look at like him. Um, you know, my friend Rod and and mm-hmm. Arrow J Knight. Like I look at how they kind of treat themselves as business business entrepreneurs and how they kind of brand themselves, promote themselves. And I'm like, this is something I should study. <laughs> this is this is my uh, weakness. And I should try to figure this out or, or, you know, pay someone to do it. You know, if I, if, you know, if, if money is there, pay someone to do the promo stuff. I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult at times trying to be the artist, the, the producer, mm-hmm. as you say, the producer, director, and yeah. also be the marketing person. Project yeah. man. All, mm-hmm. all that
0: yeah um, and, and, and branding is one of those interesting things um, we were talking about uh, somebody that we mutually know uh, before we started this and one of the things that I want to talk to that particular artist entrepreneur about is how he went about going brand, do, doing mm-hmm. his branding um, how he gets all his things together and how he promotes himself and the campaigns and things like that because I've taken some cues from him in terms of mailing campaigns and things like that. So those are, those are some of the topics that i like to really talk about, about, about with creative people and see what they are doing um, and how are they getting out there because hopefully this will inspire other people and maybe give them some few tips so that they don't put right. some of the roadblocks that sometimes we have to go through when we're doing this. Um, you mentioned some writers. Um, are you contemplating doing any straight up writing Oh no <laughs>
1: no, never I should be like never um no i i i mm-hmm. I respect you writers for what you do mm-hmm. i that is not for me that is strictly writing's not for me i i need I need the whole pack i need I need the visual medium, medium and the words mm-hmm. um but I completely respect the writing art form mm-hmm. y'all are amazing <laughs>
0: um,
1: and can do some amazing things, and I think mm-hmm. the power in what you y'all do as writers is like allowing the create allowing the reader to imagine mm-hmm. that's always the fun part and that's kind of like and that's part of the process i enjoy like working with rod is like i can read his book and i'm like boy let me do this and i'm like this is going to be nice and it's like i get really i get really excited and it's like i'm the reader but i'm also you know the producer of all these other things and mm-hmm. it's kind of just like a really fun process so i'm like i'm going to leave that one to y'all <laughs> y'all do the right <laughs> do that. So I draw the pictures and I write a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's, let's circle back and talk about the writing that you actually do when okay. it comes to your story. Um, take us through that process just a little bit. I mean, what is the process of writing for you as a comic book artist? So
1: for me, um, this, is the, this is like a weird collage of processes, but um, it started out first with like because in high school, I mean, college, I took a creative writing class. I realized that like my brain naturally was kind of better at like I had to write my story out kind of like a short story mm-hmm. um, and just take it from there. Mm-hmm. I would start there. Like when I first when I first wrote uh, The Eve of Insurrection, I wrote it as a short story to get the idea out of my head. And then I, you know, I, I worked, worked it a bit to transform it into a script. And I would just like pop in dialogue and then kind of like did research on formatting, how to format a script for like a, like a professional script, like screenwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, um, I all the, the, the process, I have the idea, I have the inspiration, and then like I try to base my stories in reality. So I try to pull from experiences, pull from history in some ways or reference something that's very real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of take from that. And then I just bogged down. I, um, I build out the world. I, I, I take that approach. I build out the world first. Mm-hmm. I try to figure out my limitations. And I had to, I really had to, um, crack down on that just because like, I was, I noticed like first time writing, I was like, I'm going to make all these gangs and vigilante groups and all these people with different ideologies. And I'm like, Jordan, slow down, slow down. Um, and I, it was uh, David, David, I had, was in a clubhouse with David, David F. Walker, and he kind of suggested like to really focus like what is this like what is the real story like focus on the, mm-hmm. the, the, the story that you really want to tell. And I realized having 10 gangs was irrelevant. Um, <laughs> um, and so it, that helped me limit myself and kind of focus in. But from there, you know, I do the outlining. I, be, I do some write. I do outlining. Um, and then I go and kind of transform into a script. So my process is getting better. Um, but I noticed uh, with this new project, this new uh, short story spinoff, my brain was kind of struggling with like properly visual- uh, visualize, visualizing everything, but also trying to kind of tell the story uh, in, a, in a clear and concise way. So I found myself kind of moving between like Actually, thumbnailing out the story and then going back to the script to change and fine tune things, Mm -hmm. because I could actually set the pacing from a visual standpoint. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, and also when I draw, sometimes I like come up with new stuff, and then I'll be like, "How do I? How can I tailor the dialogue to reflect like something that I've drawn?" (coughs) So it's, it, it felt very different. I'm like, I'm doing something weird, but I'm going to go with it because this kind of feels like it feels right for me specifically because I'm like, mm-hmm. I get inspiration from different things. So if I draw a character who's like, like I may write or outline a scene that says like this person is going to fight this person. Mm-hmm. But when I'm drawing it out, I start coming up with new details. Like mm-hmm. this person may fall into some specific item that has some significance. And then I would think like how like How can I write? Like, what am I gonna do dialogue to reflect what's happening? And so ideas kind of come to me sometimes.
0: I'm always amazed that creativity is creativity. Mm -hmm. No matter what medium or or form that you're using and what you're saying is the exact same thing that happened to writers. Mm -hmm. I tend to be more of an, at the very least an outline. I have my big idea, I at least outline it. But then when I start writing, it's just like you say, once you get into the middle of those scenes and those characters start speaking, things change a little bit. Mm -hmm. Things change around. So it's the the same process that we go through. Just listen to what you were saying about sometimes you might draw a cell or something, and then you go back and change the script. That happens to me. Like I said, I'm I'm an editor, but I'm also a very audio. I get inspiration from audio music. Okay. So if I'm doing something, say for a client, a lot of times I know what I have to do. I might even gone out and shot everything. But before I put it together, I'll sit down and spend an entire day looking for the right piece of music. And when uh. it hits me and inspires me, and now I start shaping all the stuff I have, going back and forth that way. I was just listening to an interview um, by Hans Zimmer, who did the music for the, the, the latest Doom movie. Yep. And he, they were talking with the sound audio people, and they were talking about how the sounds they came up with then went back and informed what the, what the animators did. Oh the movie. Yep. So they were going back and forth, that's just nice. like you said. So it just it seems like creativity has this give and take flow that, that creative people naturally when they dip into the flow it's, it's the same no matter where they are, no matter what level they are. It, it, it tends to kind of come across the same. So yeah, it was it's that's nice, it's nice. So yeah, that give and take I think is, is pretty consistent. But in terms of comic books, are there iconic comic books that inspire you
1: initially i tried to read the watchman i was like i'm gonna do it <laughs> got through probably a good 40 pages so i'm like this is a bulk bulk read this was this was in the early days of just like me being like trying to figure out the comic book world i'm like i do want to read this like i want to read this um mm-hmm. but like i've tried to give that a read and like i see like i saw panels and i'm like i see why like from storytelling perspective this is this is iconic um and then as time went on i like found like i found this um book written by alejandro jodorowsky um called metabarn mm-hmm. and it was super dated like very just it was clearly from the 70s a lot of violence a lot of sex and i'm like oh what's happening here but from a visual perspective mm-hmm. it was very interesting it was very much like hand painted very beautiful um, and it kind of tells it was interesting to watch a, a reading a, a, it was almost a compendium um, that kind of shows this kind of a patriarchal lineage of like these fathers and sons that are forced to be that have to kind of transition their power transfer their power to their sons and kind of carry mm-hmm. the mantle of this powerful dude named the meta Baron. and it was just like a thing so like I read that and I'm like wow like this is very visually interesting needed a little update, um, story-wise, but that was something that really kind of clicked, clicked with me, um, just clicked me really from a visual perspective, um, and then I think writing wise, like, recently, like, I got into Rodney Barnes, Philadelphia, um, and, like, that's, that's kind of, like, where I want to be as, like, a creator, where, like, I'm able to tell these science fiction fantasy stories that ground you in, like, real, ground in real world experience. That's very, that one's very grounded in reality. Um, But it's still like that, that, that one is always just like, like it points, like it, it kind of deals with vampires and looking at the history of vampires in America. Um, Mm -hmm. And you have these kind of race issues of racism and all these different aspects. Um, But within,
0: within the vampire community.
1: Yeah. uh, I think. I think there's more I mean you get these glimpses and just the reality like there's these kind of touches upon police brutality happen mm-hmm. um, but the I don't when I read it I think the, vamp, the at least the, the first issue that I got into um, I don't want to spoil anything but the, they had black vampires so there was no I didn't get no racist vibes like oh they treat the black vampires differently no it wasn't that they were like a hive so um, but there was some hierarchy to them as well mm-hmm. there was you always have your the, the the vampire they created everybody so you all always got that guy but there was some hierarchy. yeah yeah some hierarchy but they kind of get into the history but then what how that plays into america so so i'm not going to talk about it anymore um but that one that one is uh, that one's very interesting to me right now because it just deviates from like the superhero stuff because i'm like i'm not i love superheroes but writing wise i've never been interested in writing like a superhero person yeah -hmm. Per se, because character is technically a vigilante, Mm -hmm. but we'll get into that.
0: Yeah, real quick, you mentioned that you like Blade Runner. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. Which one? Really gonna sit here (laughs) and (laughs) say the? I mean, the original, um, original one with Harrison Ford. or the the, original, the original one, (laughs) not twenty, not twenty forty nine, the last one that just came out Mm -hmm. with Ryan Gosling. That one was Mm -hmm. just visual. Eye candy, cyberpunk mm-hmm. eye candy. candy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Wasn't doing it for me. You like the story? It's always the story that appeals but to for you. For
1: me, for me, Blade Runner, like the original Blade Runner, I I felt like Harrison Ford's character really kind of like, I mean, he was that kind of like detectivey cop, like in your noir story. He was just solving a mystery, mm-hmm. and although twenty, uh, the newest one is is still kind of like follows in the vein of. Ryan Gosling's character has to solve a mystery. It didn't feel, it didn't feel like it was, it was, it wasn't enticing me as much. It wasn't, it wasn't evol- It didn't feel like much of an evolution. That's really what it was. It, it didn't evolve or open and push the envelope.
0: You, you know what Afrofuturism is? Yes. Right. And it feels to me that when it comes to your stories, that's a key part of taking that technology pushing it into the future, and then how does it interact with our community? And it seems like even when we talk about the original Blade Runner, I think that was one of the, not the Afrofuturism, but the the mix of technology and where it's taken us. Yes. And the replicants, and what does that mean? Even if he's even a replicant, and then the technology to detect them, the technology is a key part of it. Mm -hmm. And how we're gonna deal with it in the future with corporations controlling everything, So I guess for for you, um, do you see Afrofuturism as as just a natural part of of what you do in your storytelling?
1: Yes. Um, I think just the ability to kind of imagine like Black people in the future and imagine where we take things has always been there since I told you, like I used to draw myself fighting robots. I didn't even know that technically would have been Afrofuturistic, Um, but I've always just been super into science fiction, but it's... It's very important that like, and, I, and I've kind of reflected on this more, but it's even outside of like the science fiction, heavy science fiction, I think it's important that we touch upon um, our history in religion, like in spirit and spirituality.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think that there's room for, there is room for that in in Afrofuturism and like all of these worlds can be blended in it, but they all express the same thing, um, mm-hmm. a black future. And I was kind of seeing that future.
0: Mm-hmm. And having a place in that future. Exactly. exactly. <laughs>
1: Controlling that future, being agents, a- having agents. Ah,
0: agent. There you go. Agency. Uh, so I, I was looking at your, um, your your cover for Land of the Wolves, mm-hmm. and I was going to ask you, do you think your stories tend to be a little bit dystopian? In that yes, look?
1: I am a little. <laughs> I'm a little dark. Um, yeah, and that's always the thing. It's like I I find that like as a create a writer creator, director, producer, like I've always been drawn to that kind of dystopian mm-hmm. nature, D- just dystopian setting, you know, dystopian mm-hmm. setting in just the the conflicts that kind of arise. I like, I, I enjoy a conflict in the story, so.
0: Yeah, and I also noticed, um, again, cause it looks really interesting and I, and I wanna get Land of the Wolves. Um, I, uh, of course I have your first issue of Eva's Insurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting when it comes down to the sexes, and it seems that you place black females at the center of your stories. Yes, oh, you caught me. Um, <laughs> it's 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 like weird.
1: Like I don't. It's not weird. It's just like it's always been a thing for me because I feel like black women aren't properly black women aren't shown in the that properly represented or even mm-hmm. shown in science fiction world. And so like, in Land of the Wolves, my main character, she is, she's a mixed race character. Um, and so she kind of deals with like the kind of like identity. Well, she at this point, she's not really dealing with her identity of like who she is like in the sense of like, I am black and I am Latinx. It's more mm-hmm. of, I am a shaman and what am I supposed to do with this power? And how can mm-hmm. I help people? Mm-hmm. Am I doing the right thing? But I thought it was important to give more nuance to mm-hmm. these these black uh black women in this kind of science fiction and fantasy world. And so that comes back up. And then for Eve of Insurrection, I thought it was very important. I'm like, I want there to be a black woman in a cyberpunk world, and she's gonna fight crime, and she's gonna start, she's gonna start a revolution, she's gonna be head of the black panther party in the future and you're not going to tell me anything else and she's going to punch people she's going to (laughs) be batman and (laughs) she's going to be batman she's going to demand vengeance and um and so like also i've been a batman also um i'm a big fan of batman so like as i've grown older i've like gone into these discussions about like is batman you know is is he really helping society is he He's rich, but he's there's still poverty. He's fighting crime for what? Mm-hmm. And it's like I I feel like Eve of Insurrection was my answer to that, where you have black people who are in power that have used their wealth and power to create uh, utopias or just like better systems for us to live in. Mm-hmm. But they also have to go out fight capitalism because not everyone has agreed to the system. And so I mm-hmm. thought that was important to have a black woman doing it or. Uh, a, a lineage, a generation of Black women doing that because that's more, giving y'all more nuggets that kind of happen in the Eve of Insurrection world, but yeah, so it's, a gener- it's a generational kind of fight. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I guess you kind of talked about your inspiration for Eve of Insurrection. It, it comes from, like you said, you're delving more into the Batman and, and asking those essential yeah. questions. Yeah. Is he really helping? Where is he coming from? Uh-huh. And so, yeah, like, and like I said, when, when you read Eve of, of insurrection, you can see the layers there. Okay, that's good. You can feel the yeah. world there.
1: Yeah, that's, that that's thank you. I appreciate that. And the main character, I got I, I got to highlight this. The main character is actually Lana Baker. She's based off. She yes, the Shadow Queen is a reference to Batman. This dual identity is a reference to Bat uh, Batman. But they but Lana is kind of a an amalgamation of like three black women that have always that have been just very interesting me on a part, like very amazing people. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I got to shout out my, my fiance. Um, she's, she's one person that's inspired the character and it's, um, it's just like, like I bring up the duality of just like kind of existing in this world. And like, you may have to like go into a corporate space and you can't, and you have to, you can't, can't move the same if Mm -hmm. we're moving with a black space, black community. And so those elements play in, um, and then one of my friends, um, who's a professor and a filmmaker, is Kayla Watkins, and um, she basically, she was another inspiration because she's very, she was very into activism um, and a lot doing a lot of things in Philadelphia. In a big part of my story, or at least my character's journey, Lana's journey, is questioning, or not questioning whether or not what she's doing is working. And whether or not she is, and then there's the overarching kind of issue of like how about putting all yourself into a cause, and like what happens when you're lost, when you've when you no longer have enough energy to fight? How do you recharge? Like what mm-hmm. does that mean? And so those questions became very pertinent. And then there was a woman in South Africa. Who I met through Instagram. Her name's Vanessa Lily. She has a organization called queen's goal and basically she kind of helps give resources teaching young women in south africa just empowering them and mm-hmm. i thought that all these elements very important to me that like black women need to see like black women need to continue to see this and like mm-hmm. and that needs to be highlighted so mm-hmm. that, that was kind of that was those those women inspired this
0: character so and, and it definitely comes out in, in, uh-huh. in, in the comic book and we, and we certainly urge everybody to go out and get a copy of it. Thank, of you. Thank you, please. Um, but, but, but even when, when you first meet your character, she's talking to the younger woman, the, uh-huh. the, the student and the care and the familiarity and the sense of um, community that, that's there and looking out. So you, you're right. You, you, go through, you take her through all those different levels, um, even when she's in, in her suit and stuff. Mm-hmm. she's still rescuing in a way and it's
1: always interesting because like as a creator like we're all, we always have to find a way to put yourself mm-hmm. even like myself into character and like I find that like I myself want to I, I have this this ability to want to help people like I want to be able to help like if I like it's, it's just a thing my dad taught me like help you know just help people be there for the people you love and care about so it's like kind of like i put Mm -hmm. that into my character where it's like but it's almost this this problem where she's pushing herself a little too hard to help everyone so that's those are some things i kind of want to talk about
0: Mm no yep how does eve of insurrection start what's the first chapter just tell the people
1: okay um (laughs) so the first chapter uh follows our main character lana baker um, as she's trying to do her day job of helping the world, helping uh, other communities that may that have don't have the best resources, mm-hmm. um, and she's kind of giving back to the community. And so, but on but on top of that, at night or in this underground world, at night she fights crime and she's basically solving. She solves mysteries, and so she's you know, going around trying to solve this particular mystery of some missing kids, missing boys. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of has to go through that journey and that's what we'll see play out um, in the first two or three issues. Like this is this is all gonna become a concurrent thing um, and then there'll be more elements brought in mm-hmm. to uh, unpack the conspiracy.
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> um, and conspiracy. so this, um, how many issues do you think will be in this run? Uh, it'll be seven. Seven? Okay. Seven, yes. Cool. You have all those storyboarded out. And- um, <laughs> I have an outline.
1: Actually I do. Um I have a I have a, I just had a series outline, so I know what's happening in each issue. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like after I did issue one, I went into issue two and I just like wrote a note because I wanted to have like it's I've I've been struggling to figure out how I want to open up the first book. Mm-hmm. Um do I want to get more into media representation because that's that's another thing I want to talk about in the series just like how to meet how to the media portrays Lana um as how do they how do they kind of portray the shadow queen and like how do they how, how does the media spend this image of this black woman how do they rob black women of their agency or how they kind of turn them into monsters or turn them into masculine make them masculine rob them of their femininity so um there's, that, there's things I'm debating about how to start the next book, um, but, and, and kind of talking about in other, uh, other
0: issues, but. And that's interesting that you mentioned the media, because um, mm-hmm. I, I read through the, the first issue that you gave, uh, that, that I bought um, a few times, and I think it was the second time that I really picked up on the, men, on the media commentary and framing of what was going on. How they tried to say one thing, but it is interesting. And again, people have to get the book to see it. You have what the media, how the media frames it. Yeah. And you're taking us through what's happening. So yeah, you're getting that full time. You're getting that consistent full
1: time. Hey, this is what actually happens, and then the media shows up and we're like, ha! This is hey, America. Hey, hey, everybody. This is where we're giving you real news. Yeah, sure.
0: Basically, it seems to me what, what you're talking about is maybe something like code switching. Yes. Yeah. which is what again if for for a lot of us who have to go to our day job typically for most of us I got sal- to
1: salute y'all for that one. yeah
0: uh, <laughs> like i said
1: <laughs> i have um, to it's like it's a, it's, <laughs> it's just I, I like it's such a hard like i like i work like i had a you know i had a day job for um previous covid and it was just like ugh it was it was rough and I didn't I didn't work in a corporate world, but I mean, I worked in uh, art and like we had to work, deal with Mm -hmm. Google, like bigger clients, which are aspects Mm -hmm. of the corporate world. And I got I it wasn't a good feeling. It was like being at a human zoo. It wasn't fun. was not it wasn't a good experience.
0: How old are you, if you don't mind me asking?
1: 28. Just turned 28 two days ago.
0: 28. Oh, you're you're still a young one. Yeah, I'm I still will, young. I, still I young. will say this. Because of COVID and also I think because of, of, of where people of your generation are coming from, it seems like y'all are less able to deal with the with the bullshit basically.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's what I'm starting to like. I'm, like, oh, I'm too emotional young people. I don't know. I, and I get it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I think my young spirit belief is that like it comes from a place of like we we had to inherit like inherit we've inherited this probably through you know our dna but it's like mm-hmm. we had to also see our ancestors go through all this shit this disrespect mm-hmm. excuse my language this disrespect um and and it's kind of like i feel like we're at the point where it's like we're not going to take this like y'all mm-hmm. y'all gonna pay us what we're worth and respect us um and then express our emotions (laughs) yeah really express our emotions
0: and i think that's happening with Mm -hmm. even the ones they call millennials which would be a little bit older than you but it's like i it 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 takes people of of, because i'm i'm like a gen xer okay it takes us it took us a little longer i'm at the point now like i told you i i walked i left mine because Mm -hmm. i i and so I'm, I'm going back into my creative um, projects. I have a whole list of things I need to do. And, and, and doing even doing the podcast is something that had been on the back burner because I had a day job. I just sat down with a bunch of friends the night before, kind of like a goodbye dinner, just to find out that half of them are doing the same thing. Um, it took us a little longer to get to the same point shift. where you are. Wow. It, it is a shift. And I think COVID shift, and yeah. being home, it shifted so many of us. And a lot of people are like, why am I doing this?
1: Right. Gotta find things, purpose. Yeah. Gotta do. Yeah. You gotta find your purpose and path. And that's. I've been. I've been. I've been very fortunate, to kind of like know this for a long, like long time. It's, it's not easy, mm-hmm. and you know, working a day job for so long is not easy. That's why I salute. Like I. Like mm-hmm. me personally, the cart it's Like, dedicating seventeen years to, a a corporation or entity or a job. That for me is like ah, <laughs> I'm like that could have been 17 years of me. Like I don't like that's just how I feel um on it. And it's like I think, I think technically I've been training for 17 years now. I think mm-hmm. it's about to hit 17 years. But it's like I, you know, I've always been blessed to have family members that have supported me, and I've just been fortunate to have the right people around me to kind of like, hey, here's a job, here's a freelancer a gig. So like I've you know been very fortunate.
0: And and I think it's more of an entrepreneurial spirit too, Mm. particularly now, uh, some people call it a gig economy where you get, you know, your your jobs or your contract or stuff like that. But things, there's a dynamic, there's a shift. Um, And so that's why I think it just took people of my generation and people even older, it took us a little longer to finally say, yeah, we're trying to go towards this, which is what our parents were able to do because it was a different time, mm-hmm. different opportunity. It made sense for them right? because it didn't allow us to do, it. but I just I just find that the younger, um, some of the, the younger guys that I work with in terms of dealing with film and video and getting their, their companies off the ground, they're right there with you. They're already looking at being an entrepreneur. They're not looking at going and working. Or if they do, I have a friend in New York, he does it, but he's a freelancer. So technically, he could choose if he wants to work for ABC here, do this story, or go to NBC and do this. He's gotcha. still, he's a he's a freelancer. He's not actually going in every day, nine to five, sitting at right. ABC desk, working on everything that they give him. He gets to mm-hmm. choose. And then when he needs to, he can go and work on a film. All right. Uh, and freedom. so they <laughs> Ah, there you go
1: freedom the freedom the the choice freedom
0: freedom but yeah but that's why that's why i mentioned the code switching because i I think um when you look at somebody like a bruce wayne Mm -hmm. he literally is the establishment and then he's the vigilante yes he is and 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 so but when you're talking about coming from your perspective and our perspective we already have that natural code switching that we have to do. And so I think looking at that and looking at your, med- what do you call them? You don't call them superheroes. What do you call them?
1: In my world, I don't have super power. Pe- there are no superpower people. It's
0: all through technology and skill. Uh, it's and- all
1: technology. <laughs> I guess if, I didn't want to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to.
0: Don't give anything spoil, I'm not going to
1: spoil <laughs> anything, but uh, Land of the Wolves, is a series where we just have, I I think when I did it, I wanted to just have a post-apocalyptic world where Mm -hmm. people have magic, Magic. Okay,
0: I was gonna say like magic. uh, Where
1: there's just, where you have magic, but in The Eve of Insurrection, um, we're just focusing on the robots, the tech, um, technology, um, and a lot of like, like, a lot of ideologies, there are some religious aspects that'll pop in here and there.
0: Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm.
1: So those type of elements.
0: Now that you mentioned, it, I can really feel the inspiration of, of Blade Runner, the setting.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. just- You
0: know, and, and stuff like, <laughs> just particularly what you're doing with the corporations and, and, yes. and things like that. But I also found it interesting when you talked about um, the inspiration from the black women and also um, having them as, as your characters and, and the different sides and the different things that they represent. But like you said in um, Land of the Wolves, your character is mixed, sure. but the story's not about
1: that. About that. It,
0: and when you were talking it's like okay that makes sense because i think sometimes with even with the with the books that i write my characters to, my characters are black uh-huh. but the stories about the larger story that's going on them being black adds ingredients to the story the environment that they're in the situation the things like you talked about the code switching the representation uh-huh. and stuff like that but the story isn't about that. That's just all part of the mix that gives it flavor and, and, and sets it over here as opposed to over here. And um, I think sometimes in our, in our society, some people are afraid to say, like, they would like to read a Black author because they like to see what their perspective is on things. They just say, I just want a good story. Well, everybody wants a good story. Exactly. But what's wrong with saying, OK, but I would also like, if you read Octavia Butler, you, she has an interesting take on vampires as opposed to the standard take. So it's like, what's wrong with saying that, oh, I'm going to read, because if you, you like animation, you watch this particular type of animation, or you go and watch a particular type of um, movie that has the martial arts and stuff in it, you're going in it for that flavor. Oh, yeah, You yes. want to see that.
1: I want the, I want that. Uh, <laughs> I want that. I want to see some nice kicks.
0: That's what I can't Yeah. Do. <laughs> Having a good story in action is just there. And so, uh, you know, I was going to ask you what you felt about that, or if you run into that, because I, I guess that's one thing we haven't talked about is what has been your experience once you realized there was this world of Black creators and Black artists and things like that. What has been your experience before and after finding that?
1: Um, well, to tailor kind of more so to what you were saying with like telling stories that like have to be about a Black experience, like I feel like I am I'm always, like, I feel like I was always a little nervous about, like, whether or not I was, like, like, how certain people going to interpret my stories. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, when I originally wrote The Eve of Insurrection, um, this first issue, I had a, a dilemma of, like, do I want the, the Eve syndicate? Do I want them to battle against corporations or another gang? And I was thinking about it in a black and white duality because I, I look at looking at or or us versus you can also say it's us versus establishment but looking at that or looking at an experience between two games and what does that say and are people going how are people going are, are people going to say oh we're you're just showing black on black violence like that black <laughs> black crime like like thinking about that and then i was like but do i want to like or like what's important to my story and like what is how is this going to pay off at the end and I was like, I want to. I'm going to tell the specific story. I want to tell. I want to. I want to show this specific conflict between these two groups, um, and that's important to me.
0: Well, and it also goes back to your to the opening comment that I read from your website. You're taking the familiar, mm-hmm. and you're putting a spin on it. Well, that's what everybody else do. Okay, so if if you take the black on black violence, gang on gang violence, okay, you take that, but then you up it to a, Galactic Empire versus a Galactic Empire, who have black faces, but they're empires. But that's it's true. Same...
1: That's 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 very true. Good good point.
0: <laughs> so, you know, I, but I see what you're saying. I think that's what you like. That's basically what you just said. You 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 acknowledge that, but then you put it in a different setting. Right. It's in a different world. It's the same basic conflict: group against group, and they might even have the same color, but. Like I said, when people read your book, they're going to see that this is a different environment, different groups of people come in a different thing. At base, it's the same, might be the same thing, but it has all, again, it has all that coloring and that flavor and that world building that goes around it.
1: But, and then to, I guess, like, and also looking at kind of my experience was just like seeing, going to Schaumburg and like seeing, just over the past three, it was, it's been five years. Of the past five years looking at how how every every black creator has their own story they're telling some very much feel like this is we're going to capitalize on the black thing, like like we're gonna we're gonna do something very specific or very mainstream of things mm-hmm. um we'll take that it take the, like like for instance just like doing like avoiding talking about like other other african religions but focusing on egypt or like that that's a whole that's a whole thing in itself when i can get into but like that's a thing um or or making a story that just focuses on police brutality Mm -hmm. or this this like these things become in my opinion they've always felt like hot button topics that easily connect with people and i feel like we can tell those stories but it's also important that we tell different stories that deviate from that because it's important that like black people don't it's, i don't want us to like perpetuate the same narratives mm-hmm. that like we've been that have been pro, that have been programmed into us by the society by the white society we live in so i feel like it's important we show alternative perspectives we show black people with superpowers black people in space we have black people as gods showing and that's another thing that we're starting to see more as representations of African gods. Mm-hmm. And so I I'm on the side of I'm starting to I'm starting to find myself like I I wanna do everything, like I wanna ground everything in some realism and capture the racism, but we still have to push forward in and, and show young, young black people like, hey, there are different ways to exist and like mm-hmm. you can be different, and it's okay.
0: Oh, very cool. Ooh, we've been going for an hour. Um, <laughs> well, let, let me do this. Yeah, I yeah. always ask this question. What advice would you give to somebody who was in your shoes? They might be in a middle school or high school. What advice would you give to that young creative person?
1: Um, I feel like I have two, two things. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. You're going to make them. It's okay. Um, mm-hmm. And be compassionate with yourself, be honest, be open with yourself, and and just kind of learn and take in everything.
0: Okay. How do we keep up with all things Jordan Jackson?
1: You can follow me on Instagram at jpjacksonart, um, or you can go to my website, website jpjacksonart.com. Okay.
0: Cool. Well, thank you for your time. Thank- and, thank you, and you doing too. this interview. I um, really appreciate it. Really giving me some insights on you. <laughs> and we'll obviously, we'll be working on some things ourselves together right, right, in, right. in the future. But I look forward to the next um, issue of Evaluants Insurrection.
1: Thank you, man. Appreciate okay, for it. it. All right. Well, thank you, man. Awesome. All right. You have a good day. All
0: right, you too. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Urban Guru Podcast. And of course, you can always find us on iTunes. Just search for Urban Guru and you'll find our podcast listed. You can also listen to this podcast on SoundCloud. Just search for Urban Guru Podcast and you'll be able to find it there too. Thank you again for listening. And remember, no matter whatever your creative endeavor is, always push forward because every step that you take along that path will lead you to your ultimate destination.